This is the Cognitive History Podcast, where we explain historical events in order to understand their importance. The less heard of, the better. Without further ado, let's get into exploring the obscure. everyone sorry audio error there um so yeah we ran into some problems with recording this episode last time hence why i turned out to be a liar with saying it was five days but um welcome back to the podcast uh as always i'm your host kevin and with me again as always is my co-host logan what's up and so yeah we again we already recorded this, but we ran into some audio problems, mainly connection and recording length. So uh, we're re-recording this and doing things a bit different with the discussion because we have a guest today. Uh, Andre, if you would please introduce yourself. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Andre. I am a friend of Kevin's, and uh, I am in love with history, so I'm here. Yep, so um, I, I want to give a bit of a disclaimer before we get into what the subject is going to be today. Um, it's never really in my interest to get political or controversial, but with certain topics, it's unavoidable. That's just one of the things you run into with history. Uh, so today, the topic we're going to be covering, when I, when we run into certain things, certain words have to be said. When those are said, we are quoting from the text involved. I'm not trying to be offensive in any regard. And again, with this subject particularly, it's hard to not get at least somewhat political because it's a pretty divisive topic. History can be messy. Indeed. But so... um, Yeah, uh, at any rate... Um, also before we get into that, um, has everybody been in the week since we recorded initially? Oh, good, good. Real good. Getting ready for the apocalypse part two, you know, I didn't life. Hashtag Delta variant. I didn't realize Francis Ford Coppola was making a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we really need. A sequel to that instead of last year. Come on. Apocalypse now now. <laughs> Apocalypse now and later. 
It's about candy. <laughs> okay. Well, and Andre, I'm, I'm assuming you've been good as well. Oh yeah, I've, I've been good. Just uh, doing some writing, playing some Smash Bros. Just doing what I doing doing what I do. Sounds good. Sounds good. There, there's a joke I can get in, get into, but that's an in joke that the audience doesn't know about, so I'm not going to. Even I barely understand it. Don't worry. <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh, at any rate, Andre, do you want to introduce the topic? So, it has many names. Uh, some people would refer to it as the Tulsa Race Riots. I personally refer to it as the Greenwood Massacre. Uh, no matter what name you call it by, it's it's uh, an important part of black history that many people do not know happened. Uh, if you would if you would like to get into more details. Uh, yes. Uh, so first, I would like to say that, yes, it is known by many names uh i personally find myself referring to it as the tulsa race massacre um i think it's actually important not to call it the tulsa race riot because of the fact that we'll get into why that term was coined later yeah but uh so to summarize the event you had in the town of, or town, it's a city. In the city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, you had many districts. One of those was the Greenwood District, which was alternatively known as Black Wall Street. Because when Booker T. Washington gives a neighborhood a name, you go by that, that name. That is, that is your name now, yeah. Um, and so, there, it, it Greenwood was a very prosperous black neighborhood, which was definitely a rarity for the time, even as far as the 1920s. And so there was a 19-year-old named... Uh, God, I can never get his name. Dick Rowland. Yes, there we go. Dick Rowland. He was a 19-year-old black shoeshiner. And he worked in the Main Street area of Tulsa. And the business that he worked at was mainly catering to white people. And so the business did not have a colored bathroom. So he went to take a bathroom break and he went to the nearby Drexel building, which was on South Main Street. And when he was there, he encountered Sarah Page, who is a 17-year-old white female elevator operator. And it's not really known what happened it's either he tripped, bumped into her, or there's a theory that they were actually lovers and they were seen by someone. But essentially, she screamed. 
he ran away because what else are you going to do? And he ended up getting arrested. And while he was held at the county courthouse, a sizable gathering of white men gathered outside of the courthouse. It's I've heard it was up to a thousand, I believe. It's pretty sizable. Yeah, very sizable. Um, but yeah, so they, they were gathered outside the courthouse, and let's not pretend to not know what happens during this time when you have a black man being held in a courthouse and a bunch of white people gathered outside. The writing on the wall is they wanted to lynch him. Uh, especially because the way it was reported was that Dick Rowland assaulted Sarah Page, and assault at that time was code for sexual assault when we were talking about uh, crimes involving a white man and a, bl- or sorry, a black man and a white woman. Uh, so word about this went through Greenwood, and you had then. I think it was just a few dozen um, black men. Some of them were um, World War One veterans. They went to the county courthouse to meet the white mob. And some of them had guns. Some of them didn't. Same with the group of white men. They met with the sheriff and explained that they didn't want Dick Rowland to be lynched. They were there to, you know, protect Dick Rowland. And the sheriff, from everything I've read, said that he was going to do the best that he could to make sure that Dick Rowland was going to stay safe. But against a thousand or more people, there's not really much you can do. And so in... This, you know, arguing broke out. A white man grabbed a black man's gun. A shot was fired from somewhere. It's not known whether it was the white group or the black group. And then to quote the sheriff and a lot of other sources, all hell broke loose. There were people were killed. You had white men going into Greenwood with torches who were literally setting houses and businesses on fire just as they passed by. Um, People that were trying to escape Tulsa were gunned down. There was the use of planes, and there's contention as to whether bombs and guns were used from those planes or not something was dropped from the planes <laughs> yes um it multiple sources say that um they were turpentine bombs yeah, yeah that, that's, that's, what, that's what i read too in yeah. all, all my sources that's that's what i read yeah uh, that like the point of contention is whether there were bombs and guns involved not whether there were planes involved that's an indisputable fact which is crazy because that was that was before World War One, when yeah. we, when we started doing that in war. So well, this is like no, it, it was after World War One. Was it after? Yeah, 
because some of the black men were world war one vets oh okay yeah this is about three years after the end of world war one well they they, they learn how to utilize it that's for sure I, I mean, it's surprising if none of them were pilots that they were able to accurately drop bombs. Well, uh, the planes that were used, from what I read, they were private planes. So I'm guessing that people like had licenses. Right. But I mean, even for like trained pilots, it was difficult for them to drop bombs. Drop bombs in on the people, war. yeah. Not that they were bombs, but to be able to drop anything on anybody is uh, yeah. pretty... It's crazy. But yeah, um, yeah. Not as by... easy as the movies make it look. Not at oh, all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, by the end of everything, uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Andre, uh, but Greenwood was 40 city blocks? Uh, I'm not sure how many blocks all of Greenwood was, but from my counts, 35 blocks were on fire. Yes. Uh, so yeah, they they were entirely torched. The entire Greenwood district was decimated in the. It was it was over. The course of a day that this happened. Yeah, and this this is like right after Memorial Day because Memorial Day is when it when the inciting incident happened, where yeah. when they when uh when uh Dick Rowland was inside the elevator with the, with the girl. That, that was on Memorial Day. So it, that's that's kind of ironic that this would all go down at that time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, over, over the course of one day. The, the next day. Th- th- this entire district of Tulsa was just left decimated. Well, so the, after the inciting incident happened, there was... Uh, newspaper well i'm sure there was many but for my account i have one primary one that uh they mentioned they pretty much they they wanted they wanted to start something <laughs> that if if you read the article it it like puts him in a very bad light puts dick roll in a very bad light and and their their headline straight asks for people to attack yeah, to uh, to quote it, the headline is, quote, Nab Negro, Nab Negro for attacking girl in an elevator. Yes, end quote. Um, and might as well have the, just said, get him. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it might as well. Just with that, three exclamation points. That's pretty much what they were <laughs> saying. And I'm like, the, the text of the article itself is um i mean just as problematic it's it's inflammatory um doesn't get better no and so i i I want to actually quote a portion of this just to show that it's inflammatory And again, note, we don't actually know what happened in the elevator. Um, It's impossible to know. But the article purports uh, that they do. Well, uh, yeah, no. There's nothing. The language is problematic, but there's no hard R. I'm going to say that. 
Yeah, this this is you uh you got you have to remember this is a uh newspaper in the south in in Oklahoma in in 1921. So there's going to yeah. when they're referring to black people it's going to be a, a, a questionable at at the least. But we're yes. just we're just quoting what's on what's in the article. So, quote from the article. A few minutes later, he entered the elevator and she claimed or he entered the elevator, she claimed, and attacked her, scratching her hands and face and tearing her clothes. Her screams brought a clerk from Renberg's store to her assistance, and the Negro fled. He was captured and identified this morning both by the girl and clerk, police say. Roland denied that he tried to harm the girl, but admitted he put his hand on her arm in the elevator when she was alone. Tenants of the Drexel building said the girl is an orphan who works as an elevator operator to pay her way through business college, end quote. So that's, again, they're purporting that they know exactly what happened. And, like... Tearing and scratching, they're framing him as an animal. Yes, and they're showing that, again assault or attacking when we're talking about something that a black man did at the time he is trying to sexually assault a white woman and they also go as far as to point that she's an orphan trying to pay her way through business college like that do you want to paint her in a good light while paying him in a bad light yeah they're they're trying to hit buzz points with inflammatory language Still interesting because this is the 1920s, the height of the suffragette movement, and I'm not sure with this kind of crowd painting her as a self-sufficient woman trying to go to college is a good light. I don't think it's a bad light, though. It's a better light no. than his light. It's like, yeah, I mean, but you you are right. Animal. Yeah. That's yeah. That's what they're going for. Yeah. Um, well, well th- you got to remember, this is a... Uh, so, 1921, right? And a, f- a few years prior, right? So, 1915, that's when uh, the film Birth of a Nation came out. And that that film, it, it, it created a resurgence of... Not only did it create a resurgence of the, of the KKK... But also, what it did in society, it, it it what it did was it is portrayed black people as criminal, and and it and it it, it backed up this whole black inferi- inferiority narrative, and promoted violence toward toward black people. Promoted it because the whole film is about a, a a white woman, well, white women in general being uh sexually desired by black men. And how the KKK would keep the the men away from them. That's that's what the film's about. So like they're they're paint and it, it that's pretty much the same situation in the eyes of the people in Tulsa. So and, and if you're thinking that this film's just oh it's just a movie they didn't have TVs back then no but this was a film the first film to be this, shown in the White House. Yeah, this is the film. Yeah, it's. 
it's big, it's problematic. And so the, um, the racist trope with, um, black men lusting after white women. That's been, that's, that's been going. That's as old, that's as old as at least the end of the civil war. Yeah. Because so I'm, I'm doing research for a future episode that I want to cover. And in that, the events of that one happen roughly 30 years before the Tulsa massacre. And in that, it mentions that some of the inflammatory background events are white people thinking that black men are going to disturb the purity of white women. Super predator. You also gotta remember, like, oh, no. Birth of a Nation. It uh, this is this is right. Like a few years prior, the the there was a film that was shown in a theater. Right, it was an extremely short film of a train. I don't know if you guys know the story, but there there was a the, a train shown to a bunch a big audience, and it, the train was moving toward the screen, and people freaked out. People were jumping out of their seats. They were scared. They were thinking a train was moving. Now that's a couple mm-hmm. years prior. <laughs> yeah. So, and th- this this film was like the first truly narrative film, like this this big spectacle of a film. It's one of the most important films of all time. And to to go from oh I'm about to get hit by this train to look at all how this is actually to them this is actually happening on the screen in Birth of a Nation, it it changed popular opinion because mm-hmm. the KKK was almost gone. As, as this time, but this was a huge resurgence for them. And at the time of, you know, 1921, uh, yeah, 1921, the, uh, the Oklahoma was a new state, only a few years old. And it had a lot of KKK. So that 1,000, that group of 1,000 people that showed up, a uh, very scary group, because who knows how many were in that group. Oh yeah, I I didn't realize Oklahoma didn't actually officially gain statehood until 1907. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, the state's literally 14 years. It, the state's not even old enough to buy a pack of cigarettes. Um, when we were growing up, I understand it's 21 now. It was 18 when we were growing up. <laughs> what? It changed. <laughs> yeah, they uh they brought it up to go in line with the drinking age. Wow. Which is responsible. Drink drink responsibly. Smoke responsibly. Smoke responsibly. <laughs> Vape responsibly. That one too. <laughs> but yeah, I God, that actually sets things in an entirely different light, knowing that it's the state's not even two decades old. Yeah, it's young and then this happens. And it's the the argument of whether or not like we don't know what happened in the elevator right we don't know but there's two sides to the coin and both sides are super sketchy <laughs> cuz let's say he did do it right let's say he was clawing at her all that stuff that doesn't call for a a, a mob of thousand a thousand dudes with some with guns some with alcohol some with both <laughs> that doesn't call for that we have we're supposed to have due due process, right? We're supposed to find out what happened, and if he did do it, send him to prison, right? That's that's the mm-hmm. idea. 
But then there's the other side of what what if he didn't actually do it? And that does happen. I'm, I remember uh, recently, I know you guys know about this. The uh, there, was that, that was, there was that video we all laughed about. Uh, the, the white woman had her her dog, I, I think. And the, there was a black man and he was holding up his camera and she was like trying to get him. Like she called the cops on him and mm-hmm. she, she's like, oh, he's attacking me. Like, yeah. but we're watching that nothing's happening. Yeah. So it's, it's not, funny. It's not exactly, but it falls in line with all the like barbecue Betty and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. You mm-hmm. see, you see these videos all the time and they're funny to us because we're like, eh, nothing's happening. Right. But it's obviously crazy. Yeah. But like that's, that has been happening and we mm-hmm. didn't always have cameras to prove that it's not actually happening. So people have gotten in trouble and ki- some have gotten killed because of this this narrative of protecting white women from black men. Yeah. And I I also want to say that um whether something happened or not, I'm very much inclined to think that nothing happened because Sarah Page didn't want charges to be pressed. Tell the sketch the yeah (laughs) the sketchiness is real like if generally speaking i I, because i mean you could bring up the argument with like oh maybe she didn't want to deal with the hassle potentially true but generally speaking i think if you don't want charges to be pressed it's probably because nothing happened Mm mm-hmm what isn't Especially there like that time like isn't there like a rumor like they were involved somehow yeah i i mentioned that um there's i, I guess you could call it a fan theory that um because again there's no actual documentation for any of this um yeah so let's call it a fan theory yeah a fan theory uh that they were lovers and basically they were making out in the elevator and a white man saw them and of course you know that's a huge scandal so the reasoning for her screaming was like oh crap someone found us mm. i mean there there have been uh past stories i've heard personally about a, a like in in the past black men white women being involved and then when the black man wants to break it off because this is super scary so if i get caught then i'm dead uh Mm. he wants to break it off she doesn't want to break it off so then she goes and say that says that he he, she was raped that stuff like that happens and you have to you have to keep that kind of stuff in mind not not that that's always the case of course it's not but Mm. that does happen we also do not have any proof that she ever said anything about what happened in the elevator. It could have been made up by whoever caught them if that had been the case. Shoot, the the magazine could have made it up. Who knows? Yeah, I I was I was going to say, given the um, state of the media at this time, the state of the country really, it's everything was very divided racially. Well, this is during Jim Crow, during the Jim Crow laws. Yeah. And, so, and you have to remember, uh, Greenwood, right? 
it it kind of utilized Jim Crow to his advantage, because uh, so so the guy that the guy that made Greenwood, his name was O. W. Gurley, right? And he bought he bought up forty acres of land in in the, Tulsa, and he only sold that land to black people. He wanted to create a black community, and he did it. He did it very well. And a lot of businesses were were brought up, and a lot of homes were brought up. And because the outside area, outside of Greenwood, was white-owned businesses, and because of Jim Crow laws, black people could not really go there to shop and do their business, they, money would just circulate through Greenwood. So everyone ended up being prosperous. And that, that's that's how I got that nickname from a. Uh, from uh, Booker T. Washington, like he saw that and was like, "Yo, this is uh, this is Black Wall Street." <laughs> <laughs> and it's really interesting how that comes about because, so since they're not able to shop elsewhere, like you said, the money circulates and Greenwood becomes richer and richer, which is absolutely great. And again, that makes Greenwood entirely a rarity at this time. So rarity now. Yeah, that too. But um, and also part of why we're missing context as to uh, what happened in the elevator. Sorry for focusing on that point so much. I mean, that is um, the inciting incident. Yeah. But uh, there, there's literally zero information as to what happened to Sarah Page and Dick Rowland. Like, it, yeah, they, they both vanished after the, uh, the, 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 the most of it. Like, after the burn-ins, they were gone. Uh, so, yeah, there, there's literally no other information about Sarah Page other than she was a 17-year-old who existed, and this incident happened, and she didn't want charges to be pressed. Nothing outside of that whatsoever. Um, Dick Rowland, there are theories as to what happened. I saw so many theories. Yeah, it's... There's... People have been seeing him pop up like Elvis throughout history. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the way it is. It's... There's the possibility that he died in the massacre. There's the possibility that he died in the 1960s. But the incident where he possibly died in the 1960s, he doesn't show up in... It, it was a wharf explosion in Oregon. He his name doesn't show up on the list of people who died in the incident. So, like, we we literally have no idea. We don't even know how his last name is officially spelled. If it's spelled R O W L A N D or R O L A N D, it's just nothing. Yeah, from both of them, no no family reports, nothing. That's crazy. Yeah. it's which is weird because like, you know, th this incident is now very well documented, but the inciting incident is largely a mystery. The, the thing I find, because I know you find the, the actual elevator part fascinating, right? The, yeah. part, the part I find mo uh, most fascinating is the 
once the reports were made in the newspaper in the in the Tulsa Tribune, that that group of white people that showed up to the courthouse, it was like a thousand of them, and the sheriff. I mean, I imagine being that sheriff. He sees this huge group. Huge, huge is an understatement. This this ginormous group, and he's like, I can't handle this. What am I gonna do? So he he goes and he deputizes five hundred members of that mob. <laughs> he gives five hundred members of that mob. Le- <laughs> <laughs> he deputizes them to help him fight the mob. <laughs> it's um so Which of you here is the least racist? <laughs> so because this is just an audio medium he's he's not laughing at the situation, he's laughing at my face during this cuz the only thing I can think of when I hear he deputizes Hundreds of this white mob is um seems a little counterintuitive there. It, it's I, right. I don't understand his strategy. <laughs> it's like it's so if if a group of people broke into my house and I was like I I can't handle all this group here. One of you take a gun, <laughs> help help me out. <laughs> I I can't handle all of you trying to steal my valuables when I'm trying to protect them here. Take my TV for safekeeping from you who have broken into my house to steal my TV. That's the strategy. This is a massive bank robbery. Now half of you are tellers. Yeah, right? Congratulations. Here are the codes to the vault. I just, I just don't, I don't understand the strat. That's all. And and then there was the the group of black people showed up. Right? It is the the there was some vets, and uh, I. I I understand what they were going for. I'm gonna bring my gun because, you know, protection. You know, and I mean, yeah, it'd be great if nobody brought a gun, but you know, guns, cool. And then they get there, and their their whole their whole thing is we we're trying to make sure nothing nothing happens because we we know what's in your head. We know you want to lynch the dude, so we're we're gonna try to try to keep that from happening. Um, we're gonna t- try to talk it out, and we have a gun you know, to, to protect ourselves. And then you have the mob there. Now I don't know who showed up first, but those two groups—it's like uh, water and oil, and b- both the water and the oil both have guns. <laughs> yeah. It's Pandora's and, box. And then someone just throws some cesium into the water. Bam! Uh, yeah. Violent explosion. And both mm. both sides both sides were like right on the edge, you know. And, and once that gunshot went off, there was there was no going back. Ab- absolutely not. That was just an excuse to start stuff. Mm-hmm. And then then all, all all of Greenwood, this amazing district that to this day is an anomaly, is just gone. From from my. Uh, from my reports, right, uh, two million dollars worth of property were, were destroyed, but that's nineteen twenty one money, so it's really like twenty six point eight million. Wow. Jesus Christ! That because Greenwood was a very prosperous. It, that's that's not a whole city. That's the thing. That, that's city yeah. money. <laughs> yeah, mm. that that's that's just a section. 
of th- th- Tulsa. 30-something blocks. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, the the toll of damage, when you put it in monetary value, is ridiculous. I mean, obviously not to take away from the human life value. Cause, well, uh, yeah, of course. Um, but that, that, that one's harder to pinpoint because we don't really like we know a bunch of people we know a lot of people died and we know about these these mass graves that were made but we don't know where they are so we don't really know the count and so at the time that it happened i believe newspapers and magazines reported that the death toll was it was in the double digits but it was less than a hundred now, the uh, popular count is somewhere between 100 and 300. So that's a really wide margin. A, yeah, it's a wide margin. Uh, and that I mean, doesn't count the injured. I mean, literally, the margin is larger than the lowest number that's potentially represented. Um. So, yeah, it it is a lot harder to get the value of human life that was lost in this. And and that's also only one side. That's only the number of uh, black Americans who were killed in this. It's the number of white Americans, I believe, is in the single digits. Yeah, and, and okay, so it was, it was written in Ebony magazine. I think that's a magazine. Uh, they, they, there was a report of 9,000 people that became homeless because of this. God. That's awful. Yeah, absolutely. And you also have to keep in mind after, after the event happened, after, after the, the massacre was over, all, all of Greenwood was burned down. Then they take the remaining people there. And stick them in an internment camp over by the fairgrounds to try to, and I'm, I got quotations up, try to help them. So they stuck them in an internment camp for a few days to try to help. I, I said this the last time we recorded this, but yeah, just when you think nothing can get worse. Let's break out the internment camp. Again, I don't understand the strategy. <laughs> Why is it always got to boil down to an internment Why camp? Why do we always got to go to the internment camps? <laughs> I I see that your house has been burned down. Let By me. Take, me. <laughs> let, me <laughs> let me take you to this internment camp for your safety. From it, me. It, yeah, yeah it, it's... <laughs> It's it's also counterintuitive because hey, you know all these, this white mob was just trying to kill you, so they burnt down where you lived. Let let me take or let let's take all of you to a centralized area, which you already had before, where you know you're an even easier target now, like. And you what? can't leave. You couldn't leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the that's the you could not leave. And if you if you 
the people that were able to leave, like you had to have connections with the people that people that worked at the internment camp, and then you could leave. And then when you left, you had to wear a tag, pretty much saying that you were there, saying your name, what your job was. You might as well have the Star David on. There, wow. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, my that's straight up went to Star David. That's absolutely the most apt comparison. Because I think it's one of the only times in history where I've seen something. You had to similar. mark yourself, yeah. That's yeah. only that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. It's like that's the the parallels are they're obvious. So one thing that I found that was I found rather interesting was um, the the white mob wasn't just going after, or so they were just going after the black citizens of Greenwood. However, um, some of the chaos went to other portions of the city and a lot of middle-class white families who had black people in their employ as like a maid or something like that, um, they were also accosted by the rioters and so like the 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 white mob demanded that these middle-class white families hand over their black employees so that the black employees could be taken to detention centers around the city those those internment Mm. camps you mentioned um and a lot of the white families went with that but those who were refused were subjected to attacks and vandalism Again, counterintuitiveness. Because mm. the, the 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 way I see it, it, it was their ultimate goal was not to help. <laughs> oh no, absolutely not. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that point. <laughs> no, that that goal is definitely expulsion. Yeah, you you don't you don't burn my house down and then. Oh, let me help you out. <laughs> well, it's it's rather funny though, because like you say, the point was expulsion, and I I absolutely agree. But then you have several accounts uh, from survivors that, like, when they were trying to escape Tulsa, they were blocked by members of the white mob. No, see, that's the thing. I don't I don't think expulsion was the uh, the goal either. I think. Because, like I said, birth in the nation, six years right right before, right? There was this narrative of the defense of white female virtue, right? That that's that was that's boiling, right? At at this at this time in history, and then this happens. Mm. They wanted heads. That's what they wanted. Well, so I think you might be misunderstanding a little, um, Logan. Correct me if I'm wrong but when you say expulsion you mean just removal from From the area area, like like they don't want greenwood to exist anymore well they yeah yeah that's true um, they definitely didn't it reminds me a lot of oscarville georgia where lake lanier now stands right yeah where there was this mass expulsion of the black population in the southeast at the time and there's still ruins of Oscarville underneath the lake now. 
wow. nobody knows where that that happened, but it's just like this. Yeah, they weren't. They were just. It was. It, it must. Yeah, that's that. That's definitely a part of it because, like, Greenwood, because of how pros, prosperous it was, it was like it was a target. It was like, it, hey, we don't want you here. It's an affront to the perceived notion of white prosperity when you have yeah. this shining gem of black prosperity right in the middle of your city. Yeah, because it's... Jim Jim Crow was there to uphold this whole black inferior inferiority narrative mm-hmm. and uh Greenwood You're shattering all the stereotypes. Yeah, it shatter yeah. it shatters that that uh that reality. So it's like we can't you can't exist. We we want you guys out of here. So I I, I want to go to a quick aside here because we are getting rather inflammatory with what we're saying it's we're not trying to be inflammatory we are trying to put everything in the proper perspective yes that this time period has that yeah it's it's, it's the period this was a a very uh the views at the time were very clear, and we're we're trying to show show because if we look at it now, we're like, oh, how could something like this happen? But it's because of all the things that were going on at that time. It was just it was easier to happen at the time. Yeah, and I'm I'm just throwing this disclaimer out there because I don't want to divide or malign anyone in our audience. So like, you you know, you, if you're a black person listening to this podcast, like, Oh, he's spitting fire. But uh, if you're a white person and you're hearing all of this that you haven't really heard of before, it might come across as being surprising or we're trying to like throw on some, some white guilt but no absolutely not we all have very differing political opinions and beliefs and practices and whatnot this is purely the history as it was exactly and and the, the whole point of learning this kind of stuff is so that we can find out why it happened to try to keep stuff like this from happening because it was a tragedy yeah so so there's there is a picture I saw on Facebook. So, you know, intellectual gold. Um, but yeah, this picture, it was basically it was obviously two men from the Civil War. And it's obvious what they were trying to get at with what they were saying. But basically, it amounted to like uh, history doesn't. Yeah. I really don't want to go with quoting Ben Shapiro here, but facts don't care about your feelings. Um, but yeah, it was basically like history isn't there to cater to you. Logan, stop laughing. Um, <laughs> but history isn't there to cater to you. It's actually better if you're offended by it. And, and like, mm-hmm. I understand the point they were trying to get across. They were trying to get to the Confederate statues which i'm not going to discuss here because that is way too contentious of a topic all current politics are off of the table yes but i understand that's what this meme was trying to get at but it's 
I feel it's very applicable for this too. Like, oh yeah, yes, history yes. is is confrontational. Yes, his, his, history looks you in the eyes and says, "Hey, you you may or may not b- believe in this, but this is what happened." Mm-hmm. Now, the another thing about history is not everything is recorded, and you have to keep in mind who records the stuff. So it's. Mm-hmm. It, well, and you also have a lot of people that don't understand the fact that history, it like you think of history as like once it's in the textbook, it's there. But history is constantly changing. Like every five years or so, you'll have historians or people in academia who analyze the quote known history and go with like newly found documents and things like this yeah yeah. and the more you dig the more you know is not just for archaeologists yeah history history is like science where it's like ever evolving yeah but a lot of people don't really realize that and that's so like all of this that we've gone over for like the past four minutes not discussing today's topic just discussing like the contentiousness potentially um that's actually why I want to have these discussion episodes. So like, you know, you can get new views. You can see not just Logan and me reacting to the history that we've done research on. You, you get outside opinions, you get a full discussion. Absolutely. Cause that, I, I feel like history, history needs discussion for us because yes. the, whole, the whole idea of history is we can learn from it, but you're not going to learn anything if you're not discussing it. Yes. Absolutely. But, and getting um, back to the topic a little bit, yes. that's the beauty of the history that we have here. It's not purely defined by what we read to you in those articles or the articles that you can find for yourself about this from that time. We can look at this from so many different perspectives now. We're at a point in history in the 1920s where the victor can't completely control how it's written yes finally we've gotten to that point yes um so yeah get, um, getting back to the topic so uh the the greenwood massacre it many people didn't know about it for a long time it actually in the black community I mean, we we a lot of us didn't know it existed, and it it came more into light recently when the the show, the HBO show, The Watchmen came out. It it uh in its first episode, it has the Greenwood Massacre, and people saw that and they're like, "Wow, first of all, this is a dope show, but also, did this really happen?" And people Googled it and found out about their own history. And that, that, that was a powerful moment for the black community because we're like, no one told us about this. We didn't learn this about, about this in books. Well, even in Tulsa, in Greenwood, because note, it, it took them like eight years or so, but they did rebuild and they rebuilt just as prosperous as they were before. Um, but even in Greenwood, like you never talked about this event in unless you were in private and that's how it 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 was never recorded in history books it passed down as an oral tradition for decades 
So like, that's another thing that I think is really interesting about this is because it wasn't talked about for fear of further reprisal. Uh, because if you let the fact that an event with the gravity that this event has become known about, then mm -hmm. you're going to see some reprisal because you're painting the, I don't want to say ruling, ruling class, but you're painting the and upper class in a bad light. And whether you are to be portrayed in a bad light or not, no one likes being portrayed in a bad light. Yeah, PR exists to, whether you're right or wrong. Yeah, not to badmouth the South in any way, but that happens a lot, this unspoken history idea. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's never talked about that happened. Oh, yeah, I, I went to school in... Originally, I went to school in California. I'm from San Diego. But I, my fa half my family is from Louisiana, so I, I went to school in, in the South as well. And the the history textbooks, they're they're definitely different. Yeah, <laughs> and note that Logan and I are both Southerners. We're both from Georgia, so like mm -hmm. we understand the whole bad light thing. Oh, absolutely. But um. Yeah, like like I said, I just found it really interesting that, you know, this event was essentially forced to be passed down in oral tradition in private circles. Yeah, you would think you would like you would think in at least in Tulsa, at least in Oklahoma, it would be mandatory learning so you you know not to do this again. But Right. But then you also have You the have fact, to confront it. So and yeah, and you have the fact that, as we brought up earlier, this is still a very young state. You don't want that deep of a scar. <laughs> yeah, you weren't even on, 15 yet. Yeah, like you, you don't want something that bad to be known about for something that's still very new. But even in older states like Georgia, we have situations similar, not massacres like this, but with Oscarville, for example that we're never taught in school yeah i mean i was so on the subject of oscarville it was brought up in like yeah there used to be a town where lake lanier is currently yeah you're, you're told there's still graves under lake lanier and all that but you're never told about the mass expulsions yeah you're never told that they were removed that they weren't bought out yeah. It's so, almost just like people would rather forget because it's easier. And that's that's why we have to have history. Yeah, absolutely. And not so just the stuff that's taught in the books, but us. like the stuff yeah. that we don't talk about is in some ways more important because we well, we talk about the rest so often. Well, and I I feel that's kind of like the point of the, I mean, the tagline for the podcast is exploring the obscure. And like I say in our new intro, shout out to the new intro. Shout out. Um, Rebranding. Um, you know, the less talked about, the better. Because, I mean, it's I, I'm, I'm skipping ahead to a different point in the initial recording that we did. Um, 
that's one of the problems that Andre, you and I agreed on that we have with like the subject of Black History Month. You don't hear about subjects like Tulsa. It's, hey, you know, uh, Harriet Tubman was a person who existed. She helped out on the Underground Railroad. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. did a lot of things because he was Martin Luther King Jr., um, Malcolm X existed. He did some yeah. stuff. They didn't Yo, agree. They no, do not the, talk about Brother X at all. Uh, uh, the only thing you talk <laughs> about with Malcolm X is the fact that he existed. He changed his name to Malcolm X, and then it, nothing happened. Um, I don't think look, they ever. Even I, I had to what learn. He changed his name from. No. I had to. I had to learn about Malcolm X from Spike Lee's movie Malcolm X. Denzel Washington was Brother Malcolm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. You gotta love Denzel. But, but, got it, got it. but they never talk about anything different. It's okay, February 1st, time to talk about Dr. King. Yeah. Um, and- I have always had a problem with Black History Month. It, it, I don't like that we talk about the same. I, I'm so tired. I, I love Dr. King, but I'm tired of hearing about him when there are hundreds, if not thousands of other people I should be hearing about. Yeah, it's... Mm-hmm. I mean, and the, I mean, there's a lot of history that they just like, don't talk like, about. I mean, I, I can learn a lot from learning about the emanci- Emancipation Pro- Proclamation bars, but <laughs> I should also know that Juneteenth exists, you know? Yeah. My, yeah. my family, before, before Juneteenth became an, a, a federally recognized holiday, I have been celebrating it. Yeah. But my family, most of my family didn't even know it existed. Mm. Yeah, and well, because and, 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 I, I did a lot of research on Juneteenth because at work we have, a, we call it a language exchange. It's more of a cultural exchange because, again, um, Andre and I work in um, Japan. So it's this whole thing with sharing culture with uh, the nationals from the host nation mm-hmm. and so yeah i did a lot of research on the juneteenth and like yeah it's, it's surprising how little it's talked about um mm-hmm. and you you have statewide observances of it but it didn't you know, like tulsa it didn't come into the popular view until two three years ago and it's an important detail because like the whole point of Juneteenth is there were a bunch of black people, even though the Emancipa- Emancipation Proclamation existed, they didn't know it existed for the longest. Exactly. They were never told. And like to not know that, <laughs> that seems like a big mm. detail. And that's the whole point about this whole lear- learning the more obscure parts of history. Because if you don't know that, like that... That's half the story. Yeah. It's like not knowing these, these things that aren't, if you only focus on the history textbooks, no matter where you live, if you only focus on the textbooks, you're only learning like, that's like reading a book, but only reading like the middle of the book and, and missing the whole, you, you only read the second act only. <laughs> it's the yeah. cliff notes of the second act. <laughs> yeah. Like you ain't reading the whole book. Why yeah. are you even reading? Yeah. <laughs> So, now, once again, getting back to the subject of Tulsa, we are taking a lot of asides today, and none of them are short. <laughs> um, 
but yeah so the the only arrests that i found that were made of uh the massacre were arrests of black men none from the inciting white mob i have found no records of any of the the white mob <laughs> at all it's it's yeah it's i, I don't even know how to begin describing it it's, it's a not thing, surprising sure. but it is it i i mean it's it's it just to fall in line with the uh internment camps of Hey, I saw your house and business burned down. <laughs> Let's go talk to you down at the station. I mean, how do you how do you arrest them when you deputize them? <laughs> I mean, that too. Uh. But yeah, like the the whole incident is nothing but like it, it's nothing it but a, stuff like this. It was a mess. Mm. The whole thing was a mess. It, it just it. Like I couldn't write this, you know, it, the the detail of how like you can see it coming, yeah. From like just little decisions, like, hey, we're, let's all a thousand of us show up at the at the the courthouse. Okay, red flag. Yeah. Let's <laughs> crimson. Uh <laughs> oh, there's a there's a thousand people in front of me. Let me deputize some of them to to help against them. Red, uh, big old red flag. Note: I actually, because I've been reading along with where we are, uh, I actually found that the the mob like started at about a thousand. It swelled to like two or three thousand. See, that is frightening. It's even, it's even worse. <laughs> They're multiplying. Yeah. Wow. And you have to remember, at the time, Tulsa, because the, the KKK had a huge resurgence around this time. By 1921, Oklahoma City had 2,500 members of, of the Klan there. And Tulsa was numbering around 2,000 by the time the uh, the massacre was over. So if not they had... An, not a, an insignificant amount. 2,000. So out of the 2,000 members of the clan that lived in Tulsa at the time, I wonder how many were in the mob that showed up angry. <laughs> I, I would be willing to say again, not an insignificant amount. <laughs> and th- th- right after the massacre, the clan had built a $200,000 building in downtown Tulsa as like an HQ, I guess it was called Bino Hall. They they just built it and planted their flag. So I'm, I can't say I'm positive, but I feel positive. There was a bunch in that group. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so yeah, I I feel it's also important to move on a bit from the incident itself, because we could sit here all day. And just talk about the things that the were details, done. The details, the crazy details. Yeah. yeah. But, Do we know the population of the Greenwood District? Um, I can look that up real quick. Or Andre, if you want to look that up. 
Because comparing uh, to the mob of 3000, I'm curious now what they were up against. Right? Uh, I'm, I'm hear, hear my keyboard clicking. Because <laughs> <laughs> I know the population of um, Tulsa as a whole at the time was 72,000, roughly. 10,000 black Ten. residents, roughly. Wow. So. A seventh of the population of the city. Mm -hmm. That's and not, insane. Not everybody that was in the mob was <clears throat> adult white men. Yeah. That there, there, were, there was accounts of uh, children armed attacking people. Yeah, make writing the family business for That's the day. That's what I'm saying. Like, but um, yeah, no. I so I, I feel it's uh, important to discuss the history between then and now as well because mm. you don't get from this being an oral tradition to it being you know more well known about by the public from nothing right so yeah l like i said greenwood in about eight years or so was able to rebuild to the exact point they had been the day before the massacre and which is as fascinating as the city or the district initially building itself up. You literally have this community of people who like by all accounts should have been more impoverished, you know, to go with the trope, picking themselves up by their bootstraps. Um, and, building this super prosperous community twice. Um, but then, you know, you still have the scars of the massacre passing on as the oral tradition, but they don't really tell their children about it until their children are adults. Um, and I'm assuming that's to not like taint the, purity of childhood innocence um but yeah so that that happens and then everything's good for a while as good as it can be until you get to the 1960s um where you had tulsa's i believe it's their urban reclamation project um or urban reclamation act i think it is sounds gentrification-y uh that's exactly Very... what it was uh the black community in tulsa today still calls it the quote negro removal act end quote yeah take take all the uh the polish off of it yeah it's and because they feel and i you know, as i'll get into it they feel that they were slighted by this. And so basically what it was, they were trying to build the city up more. It's I, you have to press the, I believe button to a degree here. Um, <laughs> suspense of, uh, suspense of disbelief. Yes. Yeah. They, they literally, 
built an overpass that's still there. If you visit Tulsa and go to Greenwood, there's this overpass that runs through the district that cuts off a lot of potential land they could have. Um, and so you have people who had businesses there that had their businesses torn down to build this overpass. And all of the urban construction from this project forced a lot of black residents of Greenwood to go to more impoverished areas of the city that like couldn't ever really be prosperous because they're not in the center. They're on the outskirts. And so you're, you're literally creating the other side of the tracks. You create the other side of the tracks. So that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you create the other side of the tracks so you can now have the argument of the, of other, the side other side of the tracks. Of the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to add a little more fuel to this fire, that's a relatively common practice all across America. I mean, my, my dad, my dad and his, his close family, you know, uh, come from a very tiny town in Louisiana I mean, like, you look both ways, you've seen the whole town type thing. Uh, <laughs> it's Ville Platte, right? Ville Platte, Louisiana. And there's a track. And you can, if you stand on the track, you look one way, and it's busted up. And you look the other way, and it's nicer. And it's mm. crazy that they, you, you literally have the other side of the track made to... to yeah to create this this image yeah because when you create a physical barrier like create a barrier yeah yeah, it is it it's you're cutting off people from potential prosperity and sure like oh well why didn't they just do what they initially did again when you're on the outskirts of town you're not going to see as much business as you could in the center of town and well when they were initially building up Greenwood, yeah, you had the money circulating amongst the black residents of Greenwood. But when you have a lot of that land area being covered with the foundation of this overpass, you kind of prevent that to a degree. And plus, you still had a lot of people who were still present in greenwood so now you've split the population of greenwood from where they were initially were and the outskirts of the city not to mention the point of an overpass itself being to go over the area yeah you're literally directing oncoming traffic away away from from there yeah yeah and so yeah that created uh some problems but so between then and i think the 90s you didn't really see anything much happening but then suddenly in the 90s you had the topic of the massacre came into the public discourse i don't know why but that's when it happened. That, that's Possibly. where that's that's where I, I aim my suspicions because uh, the the '90s were a crazy time in in California, mm. and with the whole Rodney King incident, especially, and yeah. uh, the black community tends to 
focus more on its own history when we're having worse times. That's when we start learning more about what's, what, what our past is. So it, it makes a lot of sense that it, it's during the 90s. The 90s was a crazy time for us. Yeah. And I've heard that the Rodney King issue didn't just stay in California, but there were oh, no, protests in Atlanta that mm-hmm. were huge. And anywhere where there's a substantial amount of uh, black people, there was some feelings about the Rodney King incident. Mm. Yeah. But so, yeah, with with Tulsa and the massacre now coming up into the public discourse, at least within Tulsa, if not Oklahoma as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you have now literally any attention being paid to it was more than was paid to it before so step forward so things Mm -hmm. step up and in the late 90s and early 2000s um the late 90s specifically they made a documentary about the massacre and in this i i feel this is probably one of the most important things about it they interviewed survivors in I think it was 1997 that they did this. So you have a lot of initial voices or, or original voices that have memory of the incident. First-hand accounts. Yes. Um, I, eyewitness. That's, that's what it is. And yeah, you can argue eyewitness accounts not being fully accurate, but in this case, it's literally the only verbal it's it's the oral tradition that we talked about yeah it's literally that from the people who started it with me there yeah um and you know some of the these people that they interviewed they were like five to ten years old at the time that's crazy yeah it is and so with that you also had the um the mass graves being brought up and their location not being known. So they, um, there's this wonderful thing called ground penetrating radar. It's becoming more and more popular for searching for things in the ground because you can search in the ground for objects without disturbing the soil. Like echolocation? Yes. Um, What it is is basically it's a, it's a highly focused radar that points at the ground it penetrates the ground hence the name ground penetrating radar and it comes back with um the pattern of the ground so you can see if there are any irregular disturbances you can legit look at ancient layers of cities that you never would have known existed if it weren't for this technology that's actually amazing yeah and so they they also use ground penetrating radar in a lot of cold cases. Um, like there was one um, recent case with, um, we're not a true crime podcast, but just to show how ground penetrating radar can be used. Uh, this, I think she was 21 at the time when she went missing the this college student in california who went missing and the it was never actually a cold case because they were actively investigating it but they just made 
arrests of the longtime suspects mm. because ground penetrating radar found disturbances in the soil that looked like where human remains could be buried. So just just to show how ground penetrating radar is, but that's that's now. So at the mm-hmm. time, ground penetrating radar was still not as sophisticated. So they found potential disturbances in the soil, but uh, the city government of Tulsa felt at this time in the early 2000s, I want to say 2002, um, they didn't want to potentially cause any unrest by excavating the area of the potential mass graves that they found. Yeah, you're bringing up a a contentious part of your own history. Yeah, and when when that part of your history isn't understood or talked about, you don't want to end up bringing it up. So, yeah, between that time and now you have a lot of people wanting the uh, mass graves to be excavated or otherwise um, then you have the side that doesn't want them to be excavated so that becomes the going trend for a while and obviously the camp of not excavating them wins out or is able to hold their ground for a while no pun intended. Um, not nah, own that. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I didn't intend it, actually. Um, then the current mayor of Tulsa gets elected in 2019, I believe. Uh, I'm not familiar with his political history, but... Um, Wait, you don't know the history of one man in Oklahoma? Yeah. Dang, man. How dare you call ourselves a history podcast, hey, man? It... <sighs> Slipping. I hate both of you. Um, <laughs> but so he is a strong proponent of bringing this history back up because I, I think he views it as it's our history. We should know it, which true. I don't even know what party is. He's already got my vote. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Uh, so in 2020, I believe they conducted the first excavations of one of the potential mass grave sites. And I think they actually found people had been buried there. Um, I'm not sure how many, but obviously not the full number. Otherwise we'd know the full number. And they're still doing... Uh, in June is when they picked back up on excavating the uh, potential sites. And last month, I'm not sure if it was... I'm pretty sure they took the three remaining survivors, one via Zoom call, um, in front of Congress and asked for something to be done about either educating the public and or providing reparations to maybe not the survivors because one of them is literally 107 years old uh, but to their families 
kind of up there. Yeah, and I, I understand bringing up reparations is going to be a contentious point. But, um, God, I found somewhere, I can't find it in my notes anymore. But, oh, no, there we go. Okay, so um, a- an act was passed that would do away with the statute of limitations for giving reparations to the survivors or their families. Um, and so what the reparations are wanted, um, let's see. Oh, yes, the Tulsa Race Massacre Commission was started in 1996. And so they've been talking about um, what they think would be adequate for reparations and what it ultimately comes down to they decided in um february 21st of 2001 um there are five things one is a direct payment of reparations to survivors of the 1921 tulsa race riot that's their wording they were known as the tulsa race riot commission until Mm -hmm. 2018 um and I'll get into, because I realized I mentioned that we would go over the problematic portion with the name of the mm-hmm. incident. Uh, I'll get into that after this. But um, yeah, so that's number one. Number two is direct payment of reparations to descendants of the survivors of the Tulsa race riot. Hmm. Right. Number three is a scholarship fund available to students affected by the Tulsa race riot. So that would more than likely be descendants of the survivors. Um, number four is establishment of an economic development enterprise zone in the historic area of the Greenwood district. And number five is a memorial for the reburial of the remains of the victims of the Tulsa race riot. So I I feel as far as reparations go, that's probably the least potentially contentious reparations. Whether you believe in... Mm -hmm. Whether you believe reparations are due or not, it is nice to know that they recognize something wrong happened and they need to do something about it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to know that they're acknowledging their their past. Yeah. Even if it well, is 100 years late. Even if, I mean, 100 is better than 1,000. No, it's, <laughs> it's better than it's, 700 like Dante. Yeah. Call back to the last episode. Go listen. <laughs> listen to it. Subliminal messaging. Not fully subliminal, but <laughs> we're working on that technology. On second thought, we probably shouldn't turn this into an ad for us while talking about reparations. Yeah, no. <laughs> Poor timing. Poor timing. Terrible timing. I'll own it. <laughs> but hey but hey we, the point is we're getting better at acknowledging our faults in less than multiple centuries yes yes um like it ba- literally took steps. us it literally took us like probably what 20 seconds right in about 300 years we'll probably be getting to the point of acknowledging atrocities in 10 years or so yeah maybe um but yeah, so the uh, the name issue. So 
It was known as the Tulsa Race Riot for a long time. It became known by other names like the Tulsa Race Massacre to keep in line with the Tulsa Race Riot, but acknowledge that wasn't a riot. Um, Greenwood Massacre, what have you. So the reason for the renaming of the incident is because it was predominantly white newspapers that were calling it a race riot. And you can see this with other, quote, riots from the early 20th century, is it wasn't so much a riot as it was white citizens murdering slash massacring yeah, black there was, citizens. There was an Oklahoma City black-owned magazine called The Black Dispatch, and they straight say, like, loot arson murder that, that was that was yeah. their that was their headline yeah but so like the white mm. publications call it a riot because then they can get away in the public view of looking like everything was justified in the form of self-defense and not like they uh, egged on massacre See yeah. the the word massacre, right? It, it's an indiscriminate and brutal slaughter of many people. Now that's that's uh that's and then the verb version be deliberately and brutally killing many people, and that that's about what happened. Yeah. Whereas uh, the definition of a riot is. An occasion when a large number of people behave in a noisy, violent, and uncontrolled way in public, often as a protest. So it started as a riot and ended as a massacre. Yeah, that's... Yeah. But it should... But just because ultimately... it started that way doesn't mean you still call it a riot when it's all over and done with and you have mass graves. Because the massacre did it. happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... Like, indiscriminate men, women, children in their own town were were killed yeah like i mean can you imagine if we called other incidents by what they started as like well we have the civil conflict as opposed to the civil war (laughs) does that does it have the same uh accuracy nor the same ring exactly european war (laughs) two revolutionary protest <laughs> revolutionary tea throwing it feels like you're leaving details out when you say those you know? <laughs> exactly and that's why i feel that like yeah no we absolutely should not be calling it the tulsa race riot it, no. it, it include race in there if you want to but definitely call it a massacre because when mm. you get to the end result that's what it was yeah i don't know if you noticed but i personally call it the greenwood massacre mainly because i want to sh- i want to shed more light on greenwood itself cuz tulsa is a big place yeah. Green- greenwood is the the main area w- where it went down and it it's an important place in black history like the the tragedy aside it it was and it was super important this anomaly of a t- of a of a of a district that was extremely prosperous and something yeah. to look at and and know that like as a black man like hey we can we can do this we can do that that's something that can that can be done is it it's i personally believe as important as it is to 
focus on the atrocities of history, I think it's important also to look at the uh, the great things that's happened that we don't learn about. Yes. So that's, that's why I try to call it by the name Greenwood. Yeah, so I I will call it different things based oh, yeah, on depending on the, the moment. Yeah, so I I typically stick with you know either Tulsa massacre or Tulsa race massacre, but I in the past have called it like the Black Wall Street massacre. So in the same way, so of, many names that could fit, honestly. Yeah, but in in the same way of noting like where it happened specifically or like what community was accosted. I think the more I've learned about this through doing this podcast episode, I definitely agree with Andre. I think it, I think Greenwood Massacre fits it better. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I I want to um, or well, Andre, do you think uh, it's a good calling point for? Oh, I I think so. I think we did. Uh, I think we did good. I had fun. All right. Uh. Appreciate you having fun. Oh, yeah. uh, I I want to close off the discussion about the Greenwood Massacre with... Um, so, we had a discussion about it. If you want more... If you want more media in the form of, like, a documentation... Visual representation. A, that also. Um, there's a great documentary on it that you can find on youtube from nbc literally all you have to do is go into youtube and type in tulsa massacre or black wall street massacre when i did that it was the first one that popped up and so like that it's it's a great documentary it goes over everything that we did in more detail I'd so, also yeah. like to uh, recommend one for anyone looking for more information on this. I normally wouldn't shout out any other source on the podcast itself, but Extra History on YouTube also has a very good episode on this, especially and, if you learn better from uh, cheesy, funny cartoons and very right. well-read historians. And uh, so one that they spend a lot more time focusing on the mass graves is uh, Vox did Fox a documentary did, yeah. as well. Uh, I think Vox actually did theirs in 2018. I'll, I'll also say this, uh, and this goes for any any history. As as when when you when you learn about something, you should all do your best to like look it up yourself. Like learn try try to find details that we weren't able to speak of. Because oh yeah. Yes. There's, there's, a, there's a lot going on. We can only cover so much in an hour and a half. Agreed. Um. So yeah, like uh, absolutely for anything that we cover or anything that you hear about, you should do your own research. And uh, so that multiple brings, sources, multiple that, sources. Yeah, because not, not, not your just your favorite. Because exactly when when you break it down you'll find that the vast majority of sources you can find are going to have uh, trouble with being biased in one way or another. All, all sorts. You can, it's human nature. You're, you're going to be 
aiming towards some ultimate goal while you're riding. Uh, it's you're, it's unavoidable. So it's good to go to multiple sources so you can it one source isn't going to paint a whole picture. That's like a that's like a puzzle piece. You need you need multiple puzzle pieces to make the portrait of the event. So definitely you definitely want to be able to look at several things. So, um, yeah, in closing, hang on, what, Andre? Oh, I was, I was, I was reading his comment, don't, don't mind me. <laughs> oh, um, oh, I see that, sorry, that escaped me for a little bit. No, you're good. Um, yeah, so in, in closing, um. Andre, I'll uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, do you have any uh, social media or whatnot that uh, you want to plug for yourself? Oh yeah, uh, well I'm I'm on Instagram at uh, moondoggy ninety four m o o n d o g g i e one word. Uh, I don't post a whole whole lot, but I I be up on there, and uh, I have my YouTube channel. I I'm a my focus is film. I do a lot of film analysis, film review. That's 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 my thing. Uh, going to film school soon, so I, I kind of view the whole world through the lens of film. That's part of why I brought up Birth of a Nation. Uh, you can check out my channel on YouTube, which is film based. It's uh, movies at Moon Moondog. Uh, my bad, movies with Moondoggy. Uh, Right now, I'm working on a project about my 100 favorite animated films, and uh, I I talk about why they're my favorite, and I love how no one agrees with me. So get in the comments and disagree with me. We could talk. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with where he put Beowulf on there, and that Beowulf is even on there. I love Beowulf. I, I, people sleep I, on it. No, we we discussed this like I think two episodes ago. How we did. how Beowulf is a bad movie because it doesn't accurately portray the epic. You know that that is true. That is also yeah. true. And you did mention that in the video. I'm just saying, even though you did mention that, I still disagree with it being anywhere on that list. <laughs> um, You're free to disagree with, you know. You know, watch the film, form your own opinion. Yes. Fair points. Um, but yeah, so, and as always for the podcast, you know, you're already listening, but uh, you can find us. So we're not just available on Spotify. We're also available on Google Podcasts, um, Anchor, which is where we host everything from. Um, there's a few other sites on there, but the, the big three I feel would be Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor. Uh, we are on Facebook. I can't get a username registered for some reason, but you know, if you just search cognitive history, chances are will come up. Uh, and we also have the email with please email us any corrections or suggestions, or just if you want to talk and have a shout out maybe i'm not a uh i don't have any aversion to doing shout outs for people 
No, um, not at all. But yeah, our email is a cognitive history podcast at gmail.com. And easy yes, enough to remember. Oh yeah. It's it's the simplest one I could think of. But yeah, reach out to us there. Um Andre, it was great having you. Uh well, it was great to be here. I would love to have you as a guest on future episodes as well. Oh yeah, as for sure. I. For sure. Um absolute pleasure. So yeah, I I think that is the calling point for today. We actually went longer than the initial recording. Congratulations. You've all gotten more of us than we intended. Yup. So, um, yeah, at any rate, uh, Logan, Andre, I hope the two of you have a good weekend slash um, other work day for you, Logan. Yes. And uh, audience, I hope all of you also have a great weekend. We will see you in about a week with a topic that I have been waiting to cover since we started this podcast. Yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> all right. Well, at any rate, um, have a good time, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>